<laughs> I've got the eye of something. Maybe it's just the maybe it's just the pink eye. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no she she keeps cancelling. I think I think you're thinking of the wrong person. <laughs> it's just been a big fortnight, and I've got a camp on this weekend. And once that's done, I might get back to normality. Okay, so so you got a camp? Yeah. Uh, Right. I had a big date last Friday night with Katy Perry and about 8,000 other people or however mm-hmm. many people were there and my daughter. That was fun. Yep, yep. Um, you can't stop there. What do you mean it can't stop there? I don't I know mean, what do you mean. I, I mean, I went to the Super Bowl, saw Katy Perry for like three songs and I had a left shark anecdote that I would bore people with for like <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> you can't just say, oh, I went to Katy Perry and drop it like that. Well, it Mate, was fun. This is a very like specially important time. This this is a middle aged man going along to see a pop singer with with, with his uh, his preteen daughter. I mean, this this is like it's a rite of passage for you. It was formative, you know. <laughs> I I got to hear her sing. So I'm glad that my daughter played the latest album in the car while we were driving there. Otherwise, I would not have known half the music. Oh no, um, I hate that. That. Well, that's all right. Like she knew it, and everyone else seemed to know it. And you know, the thing that amazed me, apart from the staging, which was phenomenal, mm. uh, and like it wasn't just people standing on stage singing. There was a million costume changes and dances and props and big puppets and all sorts of crazy things. Her flying around on a, a planet. Um, it was now, a, now, hang a on. feast for the eyes. Now, were they the backup dancers that she stole from Taylor Swift, or is this a different set? I can't oh, keep up. It could be. I don't even know. I mean, I'm not sure that anyone is aware of what that all is. Um, uh, but the thing that surprised we now we uh, were sitting on like the side of the arena, about halfway back. So we had a pretty good view of the stage, and the stage sort of meandered into the middle of the the the, the floor, which was all sort of one. Most side of it was standing room. The other side was very expensive seats. Um, mm-hmm. And we're in like row B. So in front of us is A, and then in front of that is like AA, which had been kind of built in, if that makes sense. So it's AA doesn't normally exist, but it had been put in there. So people paid a lot more money to sit in AA. Got it. (laughs) And they've got uninterrupted views of the stage and all that sort of stuff. So, so like, so. So are you like on an elevated area to be there, or is this yeah where we were sloped? So. It, where we were, we're on the side of the the entertainment center. Yeah, so, but is, is it is it like on a tier or at sort of like 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 as in elevated above seats below you, or were you like just you know definitely like uh, tiered angled? Okay. Um, AA was I think I think AA was level with A, right? And just in front of it, and then sort of we were a step up. From A and so on and up at the thing. But when you come into the stadium, instead of turning around and going up, we went down the stairs right. to where we were. And then from where we were was how you got down onto the floor if you had floor tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, there were uh, there was a guy, I guess kind of in front of us in AA, 
and his mate that got up and danced to most songs. And I thought, that's fine. This is a concert. Some guy up the row, or like towards, you know, in row A, but the opposite way of the stage, gave him a gobful. At, got very you know, upset. Because, you know, we can't see the show. And the guy was like, I'm here to have fun and, you know, I paid my money and I'm going to dance and, you know, basically I don't care what you say. So old mate, you know, ran off to find someone in management to complain. <laughs> oh, no. Leaving his $200 seat empty. Wow. Um, couldn't find someone, obviously asked someone <laughs> to, to say, look, I want to speak to a manager. Went back and sat down. Manager appeared, went and got him and he vanished for the rest of the... Leaving his uh, wife and daughter... Sitting there, oh, just, just he met. So, so it's not like someone came back and comped him better tickets. He just, he. I just would vanished. doubt they got him better tickets because they're still, they were still sitting there the entire time. Now, <laughs> unless, the same guy, unless, is, unless they only gave him one better ticket because he was the only one who complained, yeah, and so he decided to take that better ticket to see Katy Perry and leave his his wife and children. Oh, it'd be a pretty icy <laughs> drive home, wouldn't it? Um, well, so actually, remind me to tell you about the first time I got grandstand seats at the Grand Prix. Put a pin in that. <laughs> okay, um, and and so that was fine. And, and like the guy would stand up, and sure, in him standing up, he obscured a little bit of my view. But I'm like, I don't care. Like I can turn my face slightly and look at the screen and see what's happening. You know, thirty meters in front of me, in much better definition on a big screen over there. Um, and that was fine, and the music was loud enough. Um, have a great time. The woman then behind him, he gets up and dances along to the last song, and somehow, over the din, and I had earplugs in, I hear her just wail at him, Sit down! I can't see! And he just well, dancing... Well, no, hang on, hang on. Before I pass judgment on, on this this woman... Did she have any obvious signs that perhaps her legs didn't work? No. Right. So she, she could have stood, stood up. up 100%. <laughs> um, and, and he turns around and hears her and is like, I'm just having a great time and keeps dancing. And his, his mate next to him, his partner next to him is kind of like, oh, yeah. And he, you can see him kind of having that polite but loud, cause, and the music was loud, <laughs> kind of conversation slash argument. We paid for these tickets. I'm here to have a great time. No one is going to ruin this for me. And he just kept dancing and having a good old time. Now, more, it turns more out... More power to him. Oh, 100%. Listen, I, I have to admit, Steve, that I am a dancing-your-seat person I'm at, on at, his at a side. concert. Yeah. I'm on his side. He, like, he was standing up and going it, and a woman who complained, and our old mate who left and complained, <laughs> look, we're just sitting there like statues. Now, Lily, who's dancing along sort of in her seat in the same way. Yeah. Then, so I kind of didn't notice at one point, but she sort of sat down, was sort of grooving along next to me and, and whatever. And then she tells me afterwards that the woman behind her sort of tapped her on the seat and said, sit down, I can't see. My daughter is barely over a metre tall. <laughs> like there is no way yep. she is obstructing your view. And no. I'd said to her, Lily, if you should have told me, because I would have said something. You dance your heart away, girl. Like, get up and get... And she did later. She did get into it as well. But she's just sort of said, I felt a bit awkward because the lady told me to sit down because she couldn't see. And I went, oh, I wish you had told me at the time. See, I would have been polite to start yeah. with and then not very polite if she yeah. pushed it. The, the, the people who complain that you shouldn't stand up at a concert, they strike me as this, uh, like the Venn diagram of them and the people who say, well, the songs aren't quite the same as they were on the CD. Perfect circle. 
Yeah. So they might they, they should just stay at home. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Other than that, it was a, a phenomenal night. Um, the, the support act was some DJ from Germany, America, something. <laughs> now, I haven't seen many DJs in my time, and I certainly don't go to places where DJs generally frequent. Mm. Um, the music was, was actually really great. Like, I really enjoyed it. And he had a whole bunch of, like, 3D visuals and stuff that played on the screen behind him. Uh, that just made it even more interesting to just sit there and go, wow, this is actually pretty cool. Um, so that was cool. His name is DJ Z, um, Z-E-double-D. Right, of course. And Katie performed for nearly two hours solid, uh, only going off stage to change costumes. Um, and I think the longest time she was off stage for was about 90 seconds. And they were pretty drastic costume changes. So I don't know how many hands were ripping stuff off and sticking stuff on. Um, but she did a cracking job of it. Um, and, you know, there was suspended stuff. And like I said, she came out on a planet that was floating through these inflatable globe planets that, that came out. Um, it was really just super fun. Really fun. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Stephen, because it, it can be very, very easy to, you know, go along to those sorts of things under sufferance, being, you know, be, being the... The, the 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 good dad just wanting to make sure that that, that your your kids have have the time that they want and not really get into it yourself. But Stephen, it it sounds like you were uh, completely swept away. It was it was her Lily's first big concert, and talk about popping your cherry. She's got this one and then Taylor Swift in a month or so. So, oh man! But uh, Michelle's taking her to that one. Um, in part because this one was at the Brisbane Entertainment Centre, which is a nightmare to get to. And also because for Taylor, who's at Gabba, the Gabba or Suncorp, wherever she's at, I can just drop both of them and drive away. Um, and then come back and get them later when the show's over and save all of the transport hassles. Yeah, um, look, just, just quietly, I think Michelle got the better end of that deal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. I was pretty keen to go to Taylor Swift, let me tell you. I've got friends that I know that are going to Taylor Swift, so <laughs> if nothing else, it would be like, I'll high-five you and then go and sit in my seat. Um, but uh, look, it, it's it's amazing and fun and all of those sorts of things, and, and she gets to have those great memories. I did do, I, I mentioned it just before, but I did do that thing that only really old people do, uh, and that is that I was wise enough to know before the music really started to put earplugs in. I did and notice that on Instagram, and I thought that that was a very responsible piece of parenting. I got to tell you, walking outside and pulling those suckers out was like because I've been to my share of concerts and walked away and not been able to hear things for a couple of days. <laughs> uh, to take them out and just go, oh, I feel normal. And I can hear things. I'm still too stupid to do that. <laughs> About halfway through a concert I, 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 these days, I'll go, I could have bought some earplugs along. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just a really smart move. And I'm going to recommend it to Michelle. I even brought a pair for Lily and she had them in for about 10 seconds and took them out. <laughs> Whatever. I was going to say, well, yeah, we, it's, it's not like she's in an age where hearing hearing loss will have a long-term effect. No, not at all. In fact, to be frank, by the time she's our age, they'll have worked out a medical way to fix it. Um, so who cares? Tell me about your Grand Prix ticket story. Oh, so so this, uh, the, the, oh, this is quite a few years ago. This was... Before Rach and I were married, wow! It was the first year that we lived down here in Albury, so it would have been ninety nine. Yes, and 
Yeah, I'd, I'd followed Formula One while I was at uni, and my mate Lee and I would sort of, you know, we were at college together, and so we'd you know, stay up late on a on, on a Sunday night. We'd we'd claim the the TV room at college, and mm. you know, watch the F one. Anyway, we decided, you know, things we would you know, down here in Albury, and it's not that far. We'll we'll go down to the Grand Prix for the weekend. So at this point, I still didn't have a job. Uh, <laughs> So it's not like we could spend a lot of money on the tickets. Yeah. So we just bought like the the general admission tickets, not really having a a, a clear idea of what it's going to be like. So uh, we we to, to give you an idea of the trip, it was myself, uh, Rach came down, uh, and Lee and our friend Tassie, um, who is now Lee's wife, but uh, they they weren't sort of involved at that stage. Right. Uh, so we stayed at a youth hostel in like North Melbourne. We 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 weren't exactly um, you know living the high life, but we but we had these general admission tickets to to the Grand Prix, and we get there on the Saturday and Malk, it was wet. Yeah, it was wet, as Melbourne is wont to do, as, oh, as it can be. And 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 we did a couple of laps of the circuit, like trying to find a, a good spot to stand. And let me tell you, Malk, Unless you have a bladder that you can like go without emptying for twelve hours, there's no good spots to stand <laughs> at the Grand Prix <laughs> because the second that you, like you find a good spot, the second that you move, someone will slot straight in, and but the, the, there's there's no case of oh I'm just holding this for my friend. It's like no, no, that's not how it works, and there really aren't that many good spots to view it from like standing around and. And at that stage, there weren't even that many super screens that you could see from the general admission areas. Like, all the super screens were lined up <laughs> for the grandstand. There's like one or two. So you'd stand on this muddy hillside, and you did have to stand because uh, because of the height of the safety barriers. You couldn't see the cars at all if you were sitting down. Oh, what? <laughs> uh, and even standing up, you'd basically just see like the top half of the car maybe zipping, zipping past. And we were like, oh... Yeah, this is this is all right, I guess. It's fine. Yeah, no worries. Um, but, you know, it wasn't the greatest experience. And uh, down there on that same weekend, Lee's then-girlfriend and her family were also at the Grand Prix. Uh, and so we were, you know, sort of... Well, to be honest, we were kind of dodging them because I didn't super get on with Lee's girlfriend. And... Um, yeah, so we'd sort of run across them once or twice on the Saturday, and that was it. And uh, Sunday morning, we go in there, and as we're walking in through the main gate, they've got you know, like a, a thing where you can win a ticket upgrade. So like, you just put your, your, your name and number on, on this thing, and, um, and whatever ticket you've got, if you get drawn out, you get like bumped up one level. So if you're plebs like us, you get some grandstand seats. If you've got grandstand seats, you go up to like a... Uh, a pit lane box and if you've got one of those you go up to like the i don't know the, the one right above pit lane like anyway you get the idea yeah so uh uh we'd watch the, the and again this is back in the days when they had like an early practice on sunday morning before the we're talking about 20 about 37 different f1 formats ago sure <laughs> Uh, so so we, no we, halo in in effect. No, no. Oh God, God. <laughs> Very Very, oh, they were so much louder back then, Mulk. So much louder. I, yeah. My, the the memory that I have most still of of that weekend was, uh, like, because you, you catch the ninety six or what should be the ninety six tram, uh, down and get off at um, uh, Middle Park to to go into the uh, the F one circuit, 
and I can just clearly remember, like, with in the tram, the doors shut, practice had already started on Saturday morning, and we could hear the F1 yes. cars just buzzing away. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, yeah, but then as the doors on the tram open, the noise just gets, like, twice as oh, loud. Oh, yes. And I was just like, oh, it was, it was intoxicating. It was great. Yeah. But anyway, we'd seen the first practice on Sunday, and we're just wandering around. It's, it's still a bit damp, and we're just like, oh. Where are we going to stand? We'd sort of found a spot that we thought wasn't too bad. You could kind of see a super screen near one of the nearby grandstands. We thought, look, this will be good enough. Of course, knowing that um, you know, as the day went on, it was just going to get more and more packed. And they go to do the 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 announcement of the ticket upgrade winners. Yes. And they say, Dave Gowkroger. <laughs> <laughs> if only you knew who that was. Which, let, let me tell you, experience has taught me that if someone says Gal Kroger, they probably mean Gork Roger. They just mm. don't know it. So, yeah. mate, I'm ecstatic. I'm absolutely over the moon. Sure. But then I'm just like, oh, I'm going to ditch my friend. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. Take it. Take the ticket. Go. Take the upgrade. I'll just go and hang out with my girlfriend and her family. Oh, so we split up. Yeah. I, you know, I zip across to the to the spot where they pick up the tickets, and there's a sure enough, there's a, a uh, an envelope there with my name on it, mm. and I you know, show the ID, get it, open it up, and Steve, there's not one ticket in there. <gasps> there's two, Dave. <laughs> so I call my mate. Oh, I'm just no, like, Dave. and literally, I call him, and I'm just sitting there going, I got two tickets. <laughs> and it took about 30 seconds for me to calm down before I could actually <laughs> say it slowly enough for him oh. to comprehend what was going on. Uh, so at that point, having said to his girlfriend, yeah, look, I'll spend the day with you. <laughs> Just like, See ya, babe. <laughs> See ya. I've, I've got places to be. You go and spend time with your family, bye. <laughs> so, um, so Lee and I end up with... Uh, Love gr- you. See you. Bye. Bye. Grand- <laughs> seats in the, in the Schumacher Grandstand. Oh, and- wow. Which was, Stephen, let me tell you, after standing around, barely seeing anything, sitting in a grandstand where you could look down, almost look down um, pits, uh, the main straight, yes. you could see into the pits, you could see the cars coming in and out, saw a couple yep. of corners, this is where all the action's happening. Yeah. Mate, it was magic. Amazing. And, and let me tell you, that was the best couple of hundred dollars that uh, the Grand Prix Corporation ever spent, like giving us those <laughs> upgrades, because in years after that, when we actually had jobs, we spent quite a bit more on our tickets <laughs> when we went back. That's amazing. So they, yeah, they, they, they hooked us in. Because let me tell you, had we not had that grandstand experience, we probably would have just gone, oh, well, bucket list, yeah, I've gone to a Grand Prix, and we just we just never would have gone back. Absolutely. Because <laughs> really, like, the experience just was not that good. But having sat in the grandstand, then we were... Then we started grandstand hopping like over the years. For sure. Like, right, different ones, finding out which, which views we liked, where we liked sitting... Um, I think we ended up going back, I think another eight times, maybe. Nice. So yeah, they they got their money out of us. They really, really did. But uh, yeah, but of course, the, the important part of that story is Lee ditching his girlfriend. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred. I remember back when the Indy cars were still on the Gold Coast. Uh, in fact, I think it was their second last or almost last season. Um, I was in a, a position of semi-minor influence in a company, and uh, an IT might have might have even been a photocopier mob. 
um, we, we I had arranged to buy two or three copiers off them for our company because we need it was time for a copier replacement. We had the budget. It was like a pretty normal transaction. Um, but I obviously made the sales guy's month for him because he went, hey, I've got a ticket to, you know, we're going down to Indy. Do you want to come? And I went, oh, yeah, sure. Nice. Um, picked up in a limo, oh. driven down the Gold Coast, all access trackside pit pass, um, up in a suite above the main straight. It was an amazing day. That's pretty tidy. And, of course, when the IndyCars were on, they were also running the Gold Coast V8 supercars. Mm-hmm. As a, like a dual As a thing. support, yep. Yeah, so on the same day, we saw both races. Like, That's it was cool. incredible. So, so fun. Uh, and then the flip on that is that because of some of the TV stuff that I do sometimes, I get to be able to leverage that occasionally. And I happened to be... Uh, I timed it that I was in Adelaide the weekend of the, the supercars there and arranged both a media pass oh, and, nice. and contact with the Channel 7... Uh, person down there locally, so they got me into the Channel Seven suite. Sweet. Um, so I hung out with a whole bunch of like stars from TV shows that I already knew. So they were like, <laughs> nice. and that was cool. Um, got to know the local news readers, had some beers with them. Day two, it was like, well, I'll go and hang out in the media center, um, and that was just as fun because that's right on like uh, the finish line. Mm-hmm. And in there, there's just all sorts of people watching and typing and writing. And I just pulled my laptop out and pretended to work and watch the V8s. <laughs> it was incredible. So there, are, like, it's it's so fun when you get those kinds of opportunities, right? Where you get to, um, I mean, I have to say, I felt so like a fish out of water in the the media center for the at Adelaide because I just was not there to write about it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I wrote an article on my reflections, and this is you know, I, what I saw as far as the machine that made or, or wrote and did stuff. But, um, you know, it meant that I got access to the landing out behind where, you know, when the winners of the race oh, went out. Cool. And so they all came back and they're holding the trophies and the things and smiling and getting photos. And I'm like two, you know, two people away from being able to grab the trophy. <laughs> um, yeah, it was all that sort of fun. Uh, wait, I, I have to admit, by the end... we. <laughs> We were the worst kind of uh, race fans. We, we we got a bit jaded with all the support stuff, <laughs> and we so for quite some time we stayed up in Carlton. Yes, and, and then we made the switch to staying down in St Kilda part way through. And <laughs> when we switched to St Kilda, because we'd been go- yeah we'd, we'd we'd seen plenty of races, we'd seen all the sure. support. Like we literally got to the point where we could almost recite the. Uh, the, the interview that they would do with the guy from the roulettes every year, because let me tell you, that did not change. Yeah, it did not. No. So uh, we ended up spending most of our time at the St Kilda Bowling Club. <laughs> nice. And we were just like, and we would time it perfectly where like you could walk, we'd finish our beers, walk across the park, through the gate, up to our seats, just in time to see the F1s go around. And then as soon as that was finished, we were back out the gate. <laughs> Back in the bowling club, <laughs> so, and, and at that point we realised that maybe, but maybe we're doing something wrong if we were spending like five or six hundred dollars on a ticket only to spend the, most of the weekend at the bowling club. Oh, Dave! <laughs> but the drinks were cheaper there, Steve. Mate, nineteen seventies ca- prices, and the couches were comfier. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, they were. Oh, and the and screens then, were on, and you still saw it, and you heard it in the distance. Well, well, no, this thing we didn't miss any F one. We, 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 no, we saw all of that. It was just all the other stuff that we didn't care about because it was the same every year. Um, we didn't see any more. Although no, one year 
one year the most spectacular thing was actually one of the support races was like vintage race cars. So a whole bunch of different, like massively different cars. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm going to guess that within the things that are racing, there's a whole probably a dozen different subclasses of, of, of different races. Um, but uh, we saw that go around one time, and they used to do a, a rolling start. So they'd do their warm-up lap, and then um, they'd start you know, uh, putting a bit of pace on at, at the yep. start of the main straight and you know, get the green flag. And, yep. and the, the idea behind them having a rolling start was that it meant that there was less likely for anyone to you know, cock up on the starting grid and sure. cause a crash. Yep. So anyway, this one year we they're, they're cruising along, and I think it was the car that was like in second or third place had either the engine seas or the gearbox seas oh. just absolutely ground to oh, a halt. Yeah. And about four of these nineteen seventies era beautifully restored race cars just went into a because at this point they're they're speeding oh, up went no. into this massive pile right on the start oh, finish line they would and crumple really nicely too oh the 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 uh the owners of those vehicles hopping out uh, literally saw a couple of them in tears mm. <laughs> it's just like they, they weren't hurt but they knew that those cars yeah. were never coming back again <laughs> or if yeah. they were it would be like Let's be honest; it'd be more than either your your house and my house put together. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh dear, but uh, yeah. So you know, after you've seen that, what else? I mean, what else is there in the support races? Because no, especially at the F one on that track, I think they had the V eights there by that stage, and that was just the worst thing ever because they just couldn't pass each other. It was just so narrow. Yeah, it was just a boring procession unless people nudged each other into the dirt. Yes, and that's. Which is yeah. what everyone's begging for, right? They're after someone to just give them a tap or a... Well, no, they want to see that in the celebrity race. Actually, and by that stage, I think they'd even cancelled the celebrity race because BMW got sick of panel beating cars like, every year. Yep. And do you blame them? God, no. <laughs> like, I mean, do you, do you seriously think that uh, BMW would get a single extra sale just because they put a bunch of vapid people from TV who couldn't drive very well into a couple of the three series and let them drive around and crash into each other? I don't think so. But you just put them in those electric, you know, one series cars and see how they end up. <laughs> oh, dear. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that's my Grand Prix story, Mark. That's awesome. I, I know that I sort of talk up a, a big game and those sorts of things. I really don't take advantage of... You know, some of the opportunity that presents itself because I, I got to tell you that there are there's some money to burn in TV land. Um, and particularly when it comes to PR and, and those sorts of things, it's nothing for, for networks to drop some cash on. on oh, yeah, it's tickets and get some, yeah, sure, fly them down and do whatever. I don't, I don't really push that much. Um, I mean, there are times when I go, look, I really think it would be beneficial to you to have me there. And more often than not, I get told, nah. Um, which is fine. And, like, uh, like the Logies. I, I can deal with that, you bastards. <laughs> um, the, and there are other uh, there are other times where I'll just put it out there. Like in one of my trips to America in my last job, I contacted, um, and I didn't push it, and I wasn't specific, which is probably did, what didn't help me. But it was like, oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm over in America. I'm, I'm interviewing a few different people and doing some stuff. 
is there something, is there an opportunity you can set me up with or is there, you know, have you got a new show that's coming that I can, you can maybe help me set up an interview with the people on it or that sort of stuff? No, no, blah, 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 sure, whatever. However, to their wonderful, wonderful joy, my friends at uh, Channel 9 connected me with the PRs of Warner Brothers um, who went, yeah, look, here's some free tickets, come and do the Warner Brothers studio tour. Oh, nice. So I spent a day just doing, like, taking that tour, which gives you, like, access to... You know, did you get to see the set? Did you get to see the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Dot? I did not, but I did get to see where they live. <laughs> nice. um, and it was it was a bunch of fun, and saw a whole bunch. Yeah, you know, they they take you because um, on the Warner Brothers lot is where they filmed Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. um, some of the pickups and those sorts of things, including the big Tyrannosaurus chase when they're in the jeep. So they're driving you around and they're talking about, you might recognize this, and not a word of a lie, man, even though that Jeep is fanging along that stretch of road, you just go, this is exactly that road. That's pretty cool. And it's not long. So they did it a lot of times (laughs) just to be able to stretch that out. And and you stop and they show you a whole bunch of sets and walk around, oh, you might recognize this, this is the, this space that is used like this for this film or for this TV show or those sorts of things. And you go... Oh, yeah, it is too. You know, put a title on the front of this. And well, here's the steps that Batman and Robin ran up the front of every episode uh, of the TV series Batman. And oh, man, this is cool. Like it was real, like real Hollywood stuff, even though it's all like 100% fake, like it's designed to be flats and sets and things. You still walk away going, I know it's not like it's just pretend, but that was real pretend, like the real place where they do the pretend. Look, it, it, it's a bit more exciting than, um, you know, wandering up the beach, the northern beaches of Sydney, hoping that you'll see some of uh, the uh, the Home and Away crew. <laughs> yeah, that's it? a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, you can do. It's not anything I'd recommend. Oh, you do do. Oh, oh which... What, uh, Callie, where, on her Year 6 excursion last year, ended up... I don't know, where, is it is it Avalon that they, they film at? No, it's... Um, I'm going to say Pearl Beach, but that's not the name of it. Okay. Anyway. It's, it's like north, north, north. Yeah, Sydney, pretend. Pre- anyway, so they end up on Pretend Summer Bay. Sure. <laughs> and and yeah, Kelly gets back going, oh, we met all these people from home and away. I'm like, really? Like, who? She's like, I don't know. I didn't recognize any of them. <laughs> so it's like. Good but, on you, but I met them. It's like, yeah, yeah, great. well done. That, that's exciting, I'm sure. It's like, Mate, she's, ne- she's never seen the program. <laughs> but, but they're on TV, so. They must be famous. Just to underscore the TV thing and that there's money flying around, Dave, uh, I also have to admit that in part I'm kind of cheating on you. Um, and that is that. Are you back doing TV podcasts? I am doing a TV podcast. Um, however, I'm not the anchor on this one, so that's good. It just means I've got to come up with some stories and be prepared to talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, uh, I'm doing a podcast with um, a guy called Jay Kagaday, who is a producer and has done a bunch of comedy and even won uh, uh, an Emmy, a digital Emmy, for his work on Hashtag Seven Days Later. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Bennett, who has written a bunch of TV and even been a TV uh, like executive, had people pitch to him. Um, and he's a freelance writer now. He's done a whole bunch of Home and Away and Neighbours and those sorts of things. Uh, and Rob McKnight, former executive producer of Studio 10, um, we dropped our first episode of TV Black Box in the last 24 hours. Um, I commend it to you. It's it's very different to the conversational style stuff that we do or that I've done with anybody else. Um, much more produced, Hang much on. more like... You mean it has a format? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and a, and a point. They have a run sheet. <laughs> 
Um, Ooh, I remember those. Yeah, yeah, a rundown, and like even down say, to. I, I remember podcast run sheets. They were, they were those things that that never got stuck to or followed or paid attention to. Yeah, who cares about that? It just caused lots of frustration and angst. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, Dave. I'm stroking you from a distance. Um, so, and and look, I'll. I'll I'll drop this one in there because it was on the public record and now isn't on the public record. If you subscribe now, you won't hear this in the first episode, but it was there for about four hours before Rob's wife heard that he said it and she went, you get that out of there right now. (laughs) Um, So he shared this anecdote of when he was working at Network 10, they had reasonably just launched Wake Up and Studio 10 and he was responsible for Studio 10. Adam Boland was responsible for Wake Up, their breakfast show. I'd forgotten that that even existed. And to be fair, I don't think I'm alone. Oh, <laughs> mate, most, it is most of Australia have forgotten seared, that it existed. Seared into my brain because A, I like both Adam and Rob, and B, I was hell-bent on watching it to see how it went. And after day two, Adam basically checked out. Like, he had mental health issues. Yeah, I remember. Uh, it was, it so massive, he pulled the pin and said, I just can't do this. And Rob, being the trooper that he is, stepped in and stepped up. He executive produced both shows for, I think, the next three weeks before they found a replacement executive producer. It basically meant that he lived at Channel 10. Um, You know, running two shows with two staff, two sets of staff to make it all go. Um, After they sort of got through that and, and, you know, wade through the storm and those sorts of things, um, Rob was at work. The CEO at the time comes up to him and says, Rob, you've been doing a great job. Uh, come into my office. And he comes in and sits him down and says, Rob, we're really impressed with what you've been doing. And uh, we really appreciate that you stepped in, you know, in Adam's absence. Uh, we want you to understand that that's both noted and noticed. Uh, and so we'd like to give you a bonus. And Rob was like, oh, thank you. That's, that's, thank you. That's very generous. I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, this is what his boss says to him. I hope they didn't give him Channel 10 shares. <laughs> that was going to be my joke to him when he said what it was. <laughs> and I said, what, they gave it to you in 10 shares? And he said, no, no, actual money. Um, he said, pay your house off. And Rob went, oh, and just sort of didn't think much of it. Later that day, HR come to him and give him a piece of paper. Uh, and he learns that not only is his bonus $100,000, but that bonus isn't a one-off payment. It's an increase of his salary by $100,000. Stephen, I think we're in the wrong game. <laughs> he was already on $220,000. Yeah, we're in the wrong game, Stephen. Like, the question I had for Rob was, does that mean that the people that talk about, you know, breakfast TV show hosts and their the money that they earn, are they even in the ballpark? And he said, well... I'm telling you straight, that's what I was on. You do the math. And I went, holy mm. shit. Mm. Like, it, that just means, yes, Koshy is as close to a million as we can probably think about. Same with Carl. Sam's not far off. You know, like it's... Do you think they're getting value for money, money, Stephen? Oh, well, certainly <laughs> the Today Show aren't, but we get into that discussion on TV Black Box, available now on iTunes. So I'd love you to have a listen and let me know what I you will. think. It's, I will. It's... I'll, I'll, I'll put it into my, um, you know, my, my, my crowded podcast schedule, Stephen. I'll, if I'll, you could. I'll put you right in between uh, the Savage Lovecast and um, Friendly Fire. I reckon you'll fit in nicely oh, wow. there. Yeah. Well, that feels that that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Good, good transition. It will be a great transition. Let me tell you. <laughs> like I said, it's produced. There's recorded intros and and 
it's, it's very weird. Like, Rob's a producer, right? So this is his thing. For me, it would be like, hi, welcome to the show. We're here to talk about television. Great. He's got to get this. He has a plug for another podcast that he's starting in the middle of that podcast. <laughs> That's how much of a producer he is. Oh boy! Now look, look, just even just editing is is, is so special. Uh, 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 Steve, people who listen to our conversations <laughs> might might have noticed that <laughs> the limit of the editing done to this podcast is probably slapping that jaunty music on at the start <laughs> but i do remember a time when daniel Karma, the world's most generous podcast editor <laughs> used to spend hours every week taking <laughs> the slop that jeremy and i would upload and turning it into a finely polished product that some people actually wanted to listen to and but why say- was it like that in the first place it was it because that you guys just failed to be able to record things properly or what Oh, Steve, there were so many different reasons. I, I, I think there was a, lo- a lot of it was was either one or the other of us at different times would be saying, stop, shut up, we need to move on to the next item on the running sheet. <laughs> and the other one would be saying, but I've just got one more thing to say. <sighs> and, and we traded that role back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel's probably got a great set of outtakes of me just sort of screaming <laughs> at the top of my lungs. Uh, by the time I'd, like, I'd thrown my headphones across the room and just chucked a tantrum like there would just be oh god knows how much and, and in my, no it's not in my defence but just to paint a picture I used to drink a lot when we did something wonky like a lot <laughs> well it was not I, I, I used to enjoy listening to something wonky it was very generously included in uh, one of your absences I think once or twice um, yep. the, the, I recall fondly that a part of your request was to get people to donate cash for the beer fund. And I have no doubt... <laughs> Let me tell you, it all got spent. I've no doubt it all got drunk. <laughs> it so did. It so did. And I would get very drunk. And, and look, I'm not proud of this, Stephen, but I would throw tantrums. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then... And then... And see, this is, this is the bit that's amazing, Stephen, is that I would upload that tantrum included and daniel would just make it go away and make me look like a rational human being <laughs> like you want to talk about a man with a lot of talent <laughs> daniel Carver. yes good on oh. him too oh dan oh, how amazing are people like daniel though <laughs> like more power to them oh he's incredible he was incredible and 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 look and and before daniel we had jacob as well ja- i mean uh Again, I, th- I think when Jacob was, was doing doing the, the show for us, so I think we were still sort of in that mindset of you know if we could just do a good enough job, we we can keep growing the audience and maybe like who knows what this could turn into. But I think by the time Daniel took over from Jacob, I think I was just a bit jaded and I was angry. And Tony Abbott was prime minister and just it just kept going downhill from there. Oh, Dave. <laughs> oh dear. And now you just get to be relaxed and we get to share stories of, you know, finer times and things that annoy us and family and just fun things. Yeah, it's great. And and, and no one to edit out me saying stupid or offensive or, or, yeah, spoilt things. It's probably a reflection. (laughs) You know, know, I could, but I don't. (laughs) 
It's probably a reflection of how generous our listeners uh, listener actually is <laughs> that that you know we haven't copped any real heat over anything that we've said on this podcast, other than what happened to this story or how did this finish. Or blah, blah, blah. Well, now, the, the, the secret to that, Steve, is having a very small listener base. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and seriously, we love all 27 of you. you are that's the best, right. You are the best people on the internet. We could just about name you and we appreciate it. <laughs> and we, we love it every time you pop up in our Twitter feeds asking <sighs> questions or, or you know, being uh, amazed at how long the episode is. We promise it won't be that long again. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, listen. I spent two weeks wondering about which cupboard door that person was asking. Like, <laughs> the bit about the yes. cupboard door that doesn't close. I finally realised what it was. It's actually the, the, the wardrobe door in my yes. bedroom that I see every day and can't close. It took me two weeks to realise that that was probably the unclosing cupboard door that I'd spoken about on the podcast. <laughs> and no, it still doesn't close. Oh well, that's it's <laughs> eh, what we expect. Well, it's not like we're... See, here's the thing. It's not like we're trying to sell the house. No. If we were trying to sell the house, we'd fix all these problems. We'd, paint, we'd give it a paint it, right? job, because by God, it needs a paint job. Oh, don't start me. <laughs> Michelle's at me to say that we need to paint the house inside and out. Are you going to paint it yourself? We're going to paint it somewhere. Look, I'm not keen to paint it myself. Mm. Certainly outside is a, is a paint job. I think there's no question about that, because it's a two-story place, and there's access and safety issues and all of that sort of stuff. I think we just go to paint place and go, how much? And go to another place and go, how much? And go, you, do it. Here mm-hmm. is money. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not going to rush that. Um, the, the flip is that inside is sort of starting to, yeah, probably could do with a paint and, you know, a little bit of coffee here and there. <laughs> oh, God, ours is a horror show. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not rushing to it, let me tell you. Well, see, the thing is, our, our house was probably due for a paint job 10 years ago. But at that stage, we had a four-year-old and a three-year-old, and the last thing that you wanted to do was, like, spend effort or money, like, making the house nice just for these, you know, preschoolers to make yeah, it worse. ruin. And look, now they're at the age where they don't ruin stuff as often. Yep. Um, and we probably... <laughs> but, of course, it is now 10 years overdue for a paint job, uh, and... It's not so much the painting that I think would be difficult, Steve. Like, I reckon you know, I can get on a roller and, and do that, that, sure. that part of it. But, mate, oh, this, this house is old. Like, we, we literally have horsehair plaster walls and ceiling. Yeah. Like, there's no gyprock in this house at all. I hear you. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of love and care to actually get the walls and ceiling in this place to a state where... You can actually put paint on them. And Stephen, I don't have the patience or, let me tell you, the skills. Yeah. Not even remotely. So, look, we could have done it this year, but we're going to Cambodia instead. I hear that. Look, I'm just <laughs> at the position where I'm happy to be on a roller. I'll even I'll even get down and do the, the cutting in if that helps or if that's a thing. I just don't want to be the one that moves all of the crap out of the room, oh, God. puts down the drop sheets, yep. you know, yep. and oh, then I know. once it's painted... Puts it all back together. We've also got to get our floors redone because we've got timber oh, floors. Yeah. And, and yep, yep, yep. Oh, Stephen. Oh, it's... <laughs> Mate, we've got a concrete floor and it needs redoing. Oh. But that's oh, all right. Gosh. That's just, we. you know, again, 
everything has to get off the floor, including two really big fish tanks. Oh, that's just that's just got horror show written all over. Oh, it. we would we would be moving all of the furniture out onto the veranda, covering it up, getting the fish tanks set up again so that they could function, uh, and moving out while that happened. There just there would be no way we could live in the house while they did it. When I was a kid, we had two fish tanks. Yeah, we had we had one that was about uh, four foot long. Yes, actually, it might have been five. And then we had one that was uh, like about three foot long, and we used to keep native fish, which was always very interesting. Sure. Uh, but I think with a lot of native fish, Steve, uh, like like freshwater native fish, they they're a bit territorial. They yes. So a, a lot of our experience of keeping fish was figuring out which one was going to kill the other ones, <laughs> <laughs> and then figuring out how soon we had to actually take one or more of them out of the tank and release them back into the wild uh, to avoid you know, coming out to f- them one morning to find them uh, you know, floating upside down. And let me tell you, we didn't always get that, <laughs> that calculus right. <laughs> it was more than one golden perch. Well, actually, the golden perch weren't too bad. The silver perch were massively aggressive. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was that and feeding steak to Murray Cod. Jeepers, you guys were keen. Oh, yeah. yeah well, absolutely, mate. Well, we'll see, because uh, have I told you Dad makes fishing laws? I think you'd mentioned it. I don't think we got into the nuts and bolts. Yeah, so, and so again, you know, having Murray Cod in the house is very, very on brand for a guy who you know, manufactures fishing laws. So, you know, there we go. Good work. Oh, yes. So, yeah, so tank cleaning and all that sort of stuff, Steve, I, I there's a very fine reason why I don't have any fish in my house because I remember <laughs> how much work it was looking oh look mate we, we could we could shave back if we really needed to, to claw back some cash uh, we would stop paying the guy that we get to come and clean our fish tanks <laughs> uh, but I've got to tell you it's going to be like we're sick of eggs on toast um, to get to that stage yep because it, I will a, eat eggs on toast job. it's a horrible job oh Mate, there are some... We'll do water... We have done it, and lots of times. Uh, and we're at the point now where we'll do water changes if he can't make it because he's and he is super busy. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he owns a, uh, a fish shop that specialises in marine uh, corals and fish and all of those sorts of things and has some amazing clients that pay him to set up like these custom tanks or, you know, eight-foot tanks in their house or in their business and then maintain them. Uh, mm-hmm. So his store is amazing. The places that he goes to do tanks is amazing. That he does us is basic, basically charity. Um, yeah. The, and, mate, as someone who can still remember the taste of fish tank water yep. when, when I was trying to siphon it through yep. a hose... I think that would be money well spent. I can absolutely understand your position on that one, Stephen. Yep. Um, so, yeah, look, it, 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 more power to him. It, it, <laughs> Actually, speaking of fish tanks and television, which, you yes. know, obviously this is an intersection where I need to speak to you. Have you seen the Netflix show? Is it it's like Amazing Interiors or something like that? Oh, no, but keep talking. So I the, might have, I might not the remember the The premise of this is ordinary-looking house on the outside, inside... Just completely weird and wacky. No, I've definitely not seen this and now need to immediately. Oh, you do need to. So the first episode you, we, we, we watched, and in the first episode, 
there's a couple who've bought like this um, boat um, on 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 the Thames in in London, and they're, sure. they're converting it into a, a proper place to live. Um, there's a guy in the US who has a basement that's like this baseball themed bar, which is pretty cool. Yep. Um, and there's a guy in Israel with like an enormous fish tank. Like we're we're talking. Uh, it's so big he can scuba dive in it, fish tanking. What? House. Yeah, right? that's amazing. It is. So that so that's the first episode, and you go, okay, look, this is this is all right. And then from then on, the interiors of these places just get more outlandish and weird and horrible. Oh <laughs> like my gosh. you've got you've got the guy who's into horror movie props and has them oh. spread throughout his house. Look, I, I want to say this generally. Those people are the worst and can <laughs> die in a dumpster fire. And, and we're talking hundreds. Like This, this yep. guy has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this collection. Uh, you've got the guy who has a whole bunch of... Like a, a British guy with a whole bunch of sci-fi props, like Doctor Who props and stuff like that, who's setting up a... <laughs> A quote museum <laughs> in the carriage house underneath his new new house. <laughs> you you've got a bloke who calls his house what is it? Calls it the circus or something, and no two rooms in the entire house match. Oh gosh! <laughs> and, and, and they just get more and more bizarre. Steve. Oh, Dave. I, and, look, I... and, and at some point you're sort of watching this going. This is actually starting to feel a bit exploitative. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and look, it sounds right up my alley as far as stuff that I want to watch. There's no question, but you hear, you hear my derision and all this, so I'm just going, no. But it's, no. It's like the first episode looked so normal, like, because I thought, eh. And look, like, even the guy with, with the baseball-themed bar in his in his basement, like, at first you're going, oh, this is going to be a bit... Mm. But then the guy has actually put in so much effort, it, it, it actually... Like it, it does. It looks like a sports bar, but yeah. it, it's not. It, it's not the sort of basement that you saw saw, saw on Queer Eye with yeah. the, the the copper who just had a whole bunch of crap strewn around the place. This this, this guy's thing is 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 fantastic, and so they've set the stage with. with probably the three best things that you see, and then it just goes downhill. <laughs> It'd be like, I don't know. It's like. Watching, it's like having grand designs on, and the first week they have the normal run of the mill stuff that you would expect on grand designs, and then in week two they come and visit me. <laughs> and the whole audience is just going, "What the fuck's going on oh, here?" I still, I <laughs> this still, this is a disaster. Think, I still think that your house is like Flanders' house when they rebuilt it after it got destroyed. Like the community pitched in, and there's Barney. You know, like they open the door to the master bedroom, and it's minuscule, and all you see is like his head. And you hear him say, because you can't see his mouth, Welcome to your new master bedroom. And, oh, they've got everything wrong. This room has too much electricity. This room has not enough. So it kind of balances out. Um, it's, You're not wrong. It's ludicrous. <laughs> I, I will, like, I'm definitely going to hunt that down. There's no ifs and buts. Um, yeah. The other thing that I remember seeing, and I think, and this is, uh, like, I, I give thanks to the Fetch TV uh, angels because... Uh, we have a Fetch TV box, a Mighty, and access to all of their um, like subscription TV channels. Mm-hmm. Um, They're all like downloadable streamed ones, but great. They had, I tripped over, I think it was on TLC. Um, it was a 
like a reality TV show in the way that Bondi Rescue is a reality TV show, like right. an ob- observational yep, yep. documentary, mm. but about this Florida-based fish tank company that specialised in making like insane millionaire people making uh, custom tanks for them and, uh, you know, fitting them out because they wanted to have... Like, they had one one of these episodes that I saw. They had a customer come and said, I only want fish from this region, like, of the globe. And that meant that they could only... They had to go to, like, Sicily to get these fish to put in this tank. And, of course, they did it. Um, you know, they this is the kind of company that has... They've got a contact with the marine biologist who has his own submarine so that he can go and catch fish for them um, to fill tanks. Is it, hang on. This is not a, another front for Scientology just so that they can do Tom Cruise's decorating, is it? Look, it probably could be, but I'm willing to watch it. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm not giving them any money myself, so <laughs> that's a fine thing. But it was just, like, gobsmacking the... And it was all the usual, you know, you know Porco doesn't know if he's going to get the tank made in time, and he's complaining <laughs> about not getting the glass ready or the measurements haven't come through. Yeah, and then yeah. They've got a marine biologist who's saying, I need it ready three days beforehand so it, I can it, get it, the it, water right. And yeah, yeah. You know, they make yeah, a big I, drama I, out of everything. I can't do those shows, Steve. I, I just can't. Like, I, like I, I admit I've watched some, some bad reality TV in my time. Oh, Dave, like, hold my beer. <laughs> Keep talking. But, but, but like, it, it, it just, with the whole, oh, well, we have a deadline we have to meet, and, and are we going to get there? It's just like you do every week. Every no one cares. Week. Just, just stop. Just and stop. even when you don't, it's like you decided and, early and on that you were no not going to make it. Yeah. And, yeah, like, and as anyone who's ever worked with a tradie knows, like, when's the last time you, you worked with a tradesman who really cared about your schedule? <laughs> it's like, oh, I, need, I need it by Thursday. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm thinking. It's like, oh, yeah, no. that'll be next Tuesday at the earliest yeah, and maybe yeah. the Wednesday if no, you're lucky. <laughs> nobody, not one. Not a single one. Uh, yeah, apparently, apparently the only ones who care about uh, schedules all have reality TV shows. Yeah, uh, mate. Which, speaking of which, I, I'm look. I'm a block fan. There's no question, and it's it's almost become law within the realm of the block as far as you know contestants who come on that go. You know, I've got some skills, but I'm not a builder. We need a builder to work with us, so we'll try and find a builder. Or people that go, we need to get tilers, and they've got like twelve hours to do three days worth of work. Um, all of that sort of stuff, right? Crazy, crazy deadlines that they push and push and push. And by the time you Which get don't to exist. what? Which don't exist. No, well, they're manufactured. No question. Well, well, did, did I tell you the 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 guy who remodeled our bathroom used to be a block builder? Really? Really? Did he, he have stuff to tell? I had amazing stuff to tell. I bet he did. I mean, he, the main thing that he liked to tell was like how many hours a week the contestants would actually be at the building site. Yeah, and, that's right. And let me tell you, Steve, you saw, like, in that, what, what is it, like, half an hour a night, an hour a night? An hour, hour and a bit, usually, each night. Okay, so, and how many nights a week is it on? Uh, four. Okay, let me tell you, that's about the amount of time a week that they would actually spend on the <laughs> site. You pretty, you pretty much saw everything that they did and nothing that happened when they weren't there. <laughs> so. Well, put into the middle of it, right? There's always in the middle of every week an off-site challenge where all of the contestants have to go off-site and it's not like around the corner. It's like to Dalesford. 
And so it's an overnight challenge. They go and have to yep. do stuff and do things and make it and blah, blah, blah. And next morning, oh, winner. And they're already sleep deprived. They're already in that situation. Um, there's just so many levels of, we get it, but it's manufactured. Like, they say it happens in a week and we see four episodes. I've seen the whiteboard where they talk about, they've got mapped out. Week five goes for 10 days. Week <laughs> six goes for 10 days. Yeah. You know, it's just all, it's all of that sort of stuff. But I love it still. Um, I, however, I, I just can't cover it. I but just, some parts of it are legit. And it is mostly down to the poor planning of the contestants. <laughs> then it's like, you know, we've got to get all that tiling done in the next 20 seconds uh, because then we've got to put something on it and some other guy has to paint something and blah, blah, blah. And they find these guys and they pay them a buttload of money, or at least they kind of have to now because it got to the point a few seasons ago where they would go to tiling cup. They would just be ringing up, cold calling tilers or supply places and go, hi, I'm from the block. We can give you all sorts of uh, national TV coverage if you can give us this, 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 and this for free. And places were going, okay. And then basically the stuff would turn up and they'd be talking about how great it is and then they'd be talking to the producers and going, so can we get their logo on the credits? <laughs> I bet the producers love that. Oh, look, it, thus they have brought in all sorts of much tighter controls around not only sponsors who deliver stuff, like you only do your kitchens through this mob or yep. these yep. guys are the only ones that do your cabinetry, uh, but also down to um, you've got vouchers for this bathroom plumbing place, this, you know, that sort of stuff, they they have a rule now where they have to pay market rates for mm. tradies because they were just getting guys doing stuff, like particularly builders that would they would put them up in a house, like basically they would move out of their house and leave their family for three months, move yep. into the block. Yep, that's what this guy did. That's what our bathroom yep. guy did. Feed them Maccas was... and crap for you know days <laughs> on end and just go, well, what's the trauma today? Well, we got to build that room. Yep. Uh, I've got a, my only my only uh, sort of guilty reality TV pleasure these days. To be honest, Stevie is uh, is, is Australian Survivor. I'm very glad that that's back. Oh, um, and how good is this season? He's got. Well, but see, I reckon I, I think there's something really refreshing about the way that uh, Australians play Survivor. That make it yep. a vastly different game. Yes. To in the US, like no one's ever happy to be voted out of survival. No. Like no one wants to be the loser, but you just don't see the animosity and the and the the nastiness and the absolute flipping out that that the American show seems to have from about oh you know the third day. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it just doesn't happen in the, the Australian one. Like even when people feel like like <laughs> they really have been like 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 done over, it's usually like oh. Oh, well, well played. Yeah, good work, guys. <laughs> even that's right. Even the blind sides that pop up, and it's like some people are like like they take it in their stride. Like as game players, they go, yeah, "Look, that's really great. I did not see that coming. That's it's like, amazing. Oh, it's a game." Whereas uh, you get that's right, you get the American contestants who are like, "I can't believe they did that to me. I had so much more to offer. They're going to whatever." Well, it, it all goes back to remember the very first like jury tribal council with was it Sue? Um. Who was the one who like, laid it down on Hatch and the who, other guy? No, no, no. She unleashed on. It was, it was Hatch and that that. Uh, I yeah, she remember. unleashed on the the girl, the, the, young, was, the young the young woman. I can't remember. Her yes, name now. in fact, and, you want to know how I know about this? Why it's so fresh in my memory? There's an amazing article that I tweeted 
that uh, some website, TV you website, hey, are you on Twitter? Occasionally, oh. um, <laughs> it's based. It, you there. What do they call it? Hundred, the hundred uh, most important TV oh, episodes yes, of the new the, millennium. Oh yes, the one on the Ringer. I've actually read that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's good. And they go into they they transcribe Sue's. <laughs> Tribal council speech. She doesn't have questions. She just says, I have a number of statements to make, and you guys all get to hear this. And unloads. So like she and says, Hatch, she you're. Was so, oh. She was so angry. Mate, she unloads on Hatch and says, Look, you're a snake, but you're a snake early on, and we could see what you were, and you didn't show away from it. And look, that's just what it is. More power to you. However, you, you are a rat. And oh. I just unleashes as to why this woman had betrayed her. And then the final statement is basically something along the like, lines I of... piss on you. <laughs> almost. It was like, we need to pay homage to this island and let snakes do to rats what they do naturally. <laughs> I'm giving my vote to Richard and you all should as well. Oh, God. And see, I think that just set the tone. And like, it's just been... It 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 just goes monkey balls when people get voted off. <laughs> monkey balls. Look, the second season of Survivor, which was in Australia, was actually a little bit more Happy Families. But don't forget, someone fell in a fire. Um, <laughs> I remember, and, and and no one was that upset when it happened because no one liked him, no, but they got, couldn't figure out how to vote him. That's off right. That's exactly what it was. And he came back. They recently had uh, two or three seasons ago. Like uh, Redemption Island, where they mm. got all of these past players that yep, made yep. effectively really big mistakes. Um, and, uh, did they bring Cody back on that one? Because him taking Tina to the final instead of Keith the chef, that they, was a big mistake. They that, didn't, that and cost, they really that should cost have. cost him a million dollars. It cost him a million bucks, that's right. <laughs> oh, dear. But this, this series of Australian Survivor is great. It's great casting. You want a little bit of inside information? Mm, oh, go. Each oh, one of the champions has a guaranteed payday. Oh, that, that, well, that doesn't shock me. $25,000. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I'd, I'd want twenty five grand for some of the crap that they have to go through on Survivor. But don't but, misunderstand me, Dave. That's whether they get voted out first or second last. That is on top of their payment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, look, it's TV. <laughs> this is what happens. But look, that, that said, I've got to tell you, I'm falling in love with Matt Rogers. Oh, mate, between Matt Rogers and Commando Steve, honestly, like, I watched last night's episode and I ovulated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was... Hang on, hang on, no, hang on. What, what, what day is it? No, don't tell me because I... I what day is it? No, no, don't tell me because I haven't watched this. I haven't watched last night's episode. We're, okay. We're, 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 we're streaming it and so we're usually a little bit behind because we're disorganised. Right. So, well, you so, need to so, watch that and you need oh, to tweet oh, well. me when you've seen it and we need to compare notes because I've oh, got to oh, tell well. you, but, Rach will. If Rach is watching it, she'll absolutely <laughs> ovulate. But that, look, of all the people who I didn't think I would you know, uh, be drawn to, yes. Matt Rogers, I'm just like, ah. Oh. Like, every time you see him, he's just being, like, a thoroughly decent human yep, being. 100%. And, 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 and know, to everyone, and not hi- just... Yeah, exactly, and highlighting other people, like, and it's just like, oh. And then, of course, they did the, the, the bit about about his kids and, and his yep. foundation. It's just like, oh, well, <laughs> okay. No, he seems to be someone who is genuinely uh, giving of himself, and, and he, I did not expect to, to come away, <laughs> Steve, from Australian Survivor, you know, liking any rugby league player, let alone one from Cronulla. 
Yeah. Uh, so, but, yeah. And, and look, the, the interesting thing about Matt is what I have honestly really, really loved, apart from how he's just playing it hard and playing as the straightest bat possible, he, like you said, he's been, you know, putting other people forward and honouring them and giving them chances to shine and all that sort of stuff. Have you noticed when they're doing particularly the physical one-on-one challenges, he and one of the contenders... Him and had, Rob. ...are yep. just eyeballing each other, right? They are lining <laughs> yep. up yep. and they know that they're going to be up against each other. And they've got to the point now when they walk out, they're basically giving each other a high five, like come at it, and then they'll compete. And whoever wins, they get up and give each other a hug and off they go back. Yes. Like it's amazing. Very different to... uh, Zach and anyone. Grumpy Zach, the personal trainer, who is not very popular in our household, let me tell you. And I'm going to guess, you know, look, like, yeah, I know that the villain edit exists, but let me tell you, some people just make it so much easier to fall into that slot. That Nobody just... is making Zach say the words that are coming out of Zach's mouth. <laughs> like, that guy, is his middle name is Toxic Masculinity. Oh, he is an appalling just... human being. <laughs> oh, he... oh, boy. Yeah, he's... Uh... <sighs> just imagine <laughs> what's going to happen when he re-emerges into society. <laughs> Well, got to remember, he's sitting at home watching all this happen. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. This is the, he's started to almost get a little bit of self-awareness and go, oh, maybe I shouldn't be saying all these things that diss every female player in, in the Too game. Late. And it's just like, yeah, buddy, that should sailed. We already know who you are. <laughs> you are a piece of work, mate. Oh, boy, oh, boy. There's lots of, I've noticed there's lots of mums, particularly, um, that they have kids and talk about their families and those sorts of things. And you'll, without revealing too much, with what happens in the episode that you're about to see, mm-hmm. um, there's some really, like, just genuine moments that are shared by one of the tribes, uh, and which leads to me having a very, very intimate moment um, <laughs> that I just uh, was gobsmacked that... Particularly this person, hard, rugged, tough, you know, he he's done his stuff and to see the way he responds in this situation is like, man, I mean, I kind of liked you before and now I just have to like you because that's amazing. So yeah, outstanding. It's, it's, the casting has been nailed right. The, the challenges are right. I could give or take, uh, old mate Jonathan, like he's oh, nice no. enough. No, 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 no. I actually, I, I actually like Jonathan from the perspective that all the contestants, even the contenders, <laughs> have absolutely no qualms uh, about sledging Jonathan. Oh yeah, no, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> and, and that, look, that is not something that happens in American no. survival. No, no, no one's going out there to hang shit on Jeff. No, no one is, ha- is hacking on probes, not for a second. <laughs> so, like, again, that's just another great, very Australian element of the show that, I, that again, we very much enjoy in our household. Oh, who, what's the science guy on the champion's name? The the oh, uh, no. is it? It's not Ben. Sam. Sam. Mate, apart from Sam's super quirky, ultra nerdy sense of humour, like what was it, episode one where he talked about Miss Universe and he thought she was a bit of a right and he said, I study the universe, she's Miss Universe, maybe that can be a line that makes me feel awkward. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but he's called the chicken Jonathan. That's so great. We're not naming the chicken, we're not naming the chicken, and he goes, let's call it Jonathan. <laughs> it's great. No, it, it is a... Uh, it, it, it's 
the the only thing that has uh, interrupted uh, watching Jane the Virgin in our household is we've, we had to pause there. Nice. Australian Survivor is just... Uh, Good work. It's, it's far too high priority for, for our family. So proud. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> I, I, I have to engage with the real world every now and again, Steve. <laughs> I have to have something that I can, I can talk to normal people about. Can I get your opinion on something, David? It's a, it's, look, it's a Steve, very TV-themed Stephen, podcast. Stephen, Stephen, can you get my opinion on something? I think we both have the answer to that. <laughs> look, I'm not going to men- mention Bob Gatter or Fraser Anning. That's a whole other oh, hour. The, 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 I cannot believe that that happened. Um, yeah. Mm. I, you know that Bob, in his press conference today, uh, thought that Fraser Anning's speech was solid gold yeah. and then went on to say, I don't think he knew what the statement meant. Yeah. What? Like, what? But what you've got to remember, Steve, is that every five minutes, someone is torn in half in North Queensland by a crocodile. Crocodile. Oh, how great was that little moment of television oh, where God. he's all jovial and then... But what you... Yeah, anyway. Thanks, Bob. Anyway. Um, next week mm. is Channel 10's Pilot Week. Now... I've seen the ads. Well done. Uh, uh, well, uh, are... uh, and let me tell you, the joke about Pete Evans being an asshole works for me. Yep. But probably not enough to make me watch any of it. But you no, know. well, here's the question, right? So eight new shows, all mm-hmm. the first episodes, the pilot episodes, yeah, and people get to feedback and tell ten what they think, and from that, we'll determine whether or not the show gets a run. Which is which the ABC did a year or two ago. With they their did com- it in a their, comedy with context. Their comedy ones. Yeah, they just did like a, a five or six episodes of new comedy shows on uh, ABC iView. Yeah, uh, and from there you could determine. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. One, one of them, for example, was Ronnie Chang, International Student. Yep. Which ended up going to series. and, and then, Which I yep. can tell you, because I know from the inside, was already going to series because <laughs> it had been sold overseas. Fair enough. <laughs> um, off the back of Ronnie Chang getting a How job helpful. on The Daily Show. Ah. Uh, so, nonetheless. Um, I uh, Some of it is a bit give or take, right? Sketch comedy, I will watch it, I will support it. I'm not confident that either of the two shows are going to be much good because it's the first episode. Mm-hmm. You know, sketch comedy takes a bit of a run-up to get any good and you've got to give them their head and let them develop that and work their characters well, out and do that stuff. Well, Jen, Steve, to, to be honest, the way that you need to develop sketch comedy on uh, commercial television is that you need to let it run for two or three years on the ABC and then poach it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the me- the model, isn't it? Well played. Well, 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 it was before the ABC decided that they're not going to do any comedy with new people in it anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, there's Did you know a... Tom Ballard used to listen to my podcast, Steve? I don't think he listens to this one. <laughs> I, I, was so gu- I was so gutted to hear that Tom and Tonight they got cancelled. That was outrageous. Mm. But that's just... Look, independent of why they say it's happening, I reckon I know the actual answer, and it's not for any of the reasons that they're publicly saying. Uh, would Dicks. it be for the Would it be for the reason that uh, that he uh, survived a complaint from the uh, ABC? What was it, Standards uh, Board? Yeah, and ACMA for calling a, a politician a that word. Yeah. Um, and I have to tell you, Monday night, him standing up on uh, <laughs> in the studio with the copy of the complaint printed out, waving it around, and going. We won. He's a... It was brilliant. It was pretty funny. And then the next night, which just happens to be last night, him going, so, how was everyone's day? <laughs> mm, yeah. 
did you watch last night's app? No, I didn't. It I was didn't. really funny. Watch it on iView because it's like they have all of these kind of you know they have sketch moments of course and pre-recorded things and uh, it all of them end up with everyone basically auditioning for jobs. Help! I need a job. I'm good at this. You know, I can do these things. It's really good. It's really funny. Um, so the two sketch comedy shows. We'll see how they go. Hang on, did you did you need to ask my opinion on something, or are we still getting there? We're getting. I've, to, we're getting I've cut to you it. off about seven times. That's Sorry, right. I'm, not, I'm not very good at this listening thing. It's it's how our podcast works, isn't it? <laughs> um, Is this a podcast? <laughs> I think we've long lost that theory. <laughs> There's a sitcom mm. written by and starring Dave O'Neill, which look, I have to say, I would love to see Get Up. However, I'm extremely skeptical, uh, if for no other reason that Dave paid for it. Uh, and Dave has been shopping it around as a pilot for at least 12 months. Um, yeah. Um, and for 10 to bite on it suggests that either they're desperate or it's not very good or some combination of both. Mm. Um, there is Drunk History, which I think is probably the format that has the most legs in all of it. Well, the thing is, you know, they're taking a format that's already been successful in two other yeah, TV 100%. markets and just doing it again. Yeah, dropping in new faces and that's about it. Telling Australian and New Zealand stories. So, uh, oh, so, so so basically what they're going to do is go through the uh, the live episodes of The Dollop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tell those stories. And what will they do after that? Uh, <laughs> There's look, only about a dozen of those to go through. Well, I guess that's a short season, isn't it? That's all they need for season one. Then they pay <laughs> some writers. Um, the, the Harley Breen's idea is the one that I like the most. It's called Taboo. And he is embedded with a group of uh, people who suffer disadvantage, either because they are disabled or blind or some other something is wrong with their life, and spends a week with them, gets to know them, gets to see and experience their life, and then does a stand-up show about them with them in the front row. Um, okay. yeah. I, I really like the idea. And Harley's the best one to pull it off, I reckon. He's got some some good mind about him and some good uh, empathy no as much as a pretty smart kind of comedic mind. Hey? I have no idea who he is. I'll have to take your word for it. Uh, tall guy with a mustache. I've seen the ad, but I've just... I've okay. No, I've got no context, Steve. Um, well, I was going to ask, what would you watch? Because there's a show by Tra- Kyle Sanderlands that no one's going to care about, oh, but we'll probably no. get all of the, the heat around noise because it'll be both people saying, get Kyle Sanderlands off here, he's abhorrent, and the other part will be, Kyle's so funny. Um, there is, uh, and this has me intrigued and this is what I want to get your opinion on. Sam Dastiari, uh, Mm. former MP, federal MP is hosting, former uh, senator, former senator, sorry. He's in the other place. Yeah. The other place. He is hosting a panel, a Gruen style panel show called Disgrace, uh, about people that have experienced public shaming or, um, Sam's life or, you know, those kinds of things where you've been caught out in a lie very publicly, See, that kind of thing. I would watch that show if it was being hosted by John Ronson. 100%. I don't like, know if Dash is going to do it for me. Yeah, no, I'm not convinced that Dash is the guy. I think Dash would be a good panelist. I'm mm. not sure that Dash is our host. However, some of the people involved behind the scenes include The Chaser, uh, and the you know part of CJZ. Well, now that they're not having to make the checkout, they've got free time. Oh, don't even start me on that diabolical move. Um, I, I reckon it's got legs as a format. I agree. I don't know that Sam's our host though. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I don't know. It, like just uh, it's see it, yeah. I, I I and 
like I said, John Ronson I could go with because he's going to find enough interesting people to, I think, really stretch that out. I just don't... I, I, I guess this is the whole point, Steve. I guess we're supposed to watch and find out whether we yep. think uh, Sam Dastiari has the, has the chops to do it. But it just doesn't grab me to start with. But not a lot of it does. Oh, well, Steve, I, I think I'm becoming a, a bit of a curmudgeon when it comes to television. Not you, know, you Dave Gould, Craig Oh, even, even me. I mean, like, SBS have gone back to, to do the, 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 was it the Filthy Rich and Homeless yes. or whatever? Oh, Steve, I... Are you I, not enjoying it? I, I, I won't even watch it. I'm sorry, I just... Dave. Steve, see, look, he, he, here's my problem, Steve. I absolutely believe every person involved in that program is doing it with the the absolute best of intentions yes which is why it is so hard to say that what they're doing is probably actually really harmful for people trying to actually deal seriously in the homelessness sector it doesn't help Steve but it it, it just doesn't help and, and it also reinforces the stereotype that homelessness is about rough sleeping, which is just not true. It's a, it is a, rough mm. sleepers are just such a tiny percentage of the actual homeless people in Australia. Like, and it's, like, I'm sure that it will be a life-changing experience for all of the people who take place. Uh, sorry, take part, and, and I'm sure that they will come out the other side and probably end up being uh, long-term advocates for homelessness services, and all those things are fantastic, but there is just no... It, it just... The broader problem, it just doesn't help. Like, 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 how, do, like how does one of these people spending some time on the streets... Uh, bring attention to the high school kids who are couch surfing around their circle of friends because they've been yep. kicked out of home by their parents because they've 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 come out like like that's a completely different experience and it is it is it is such a massive problem still Steve it is such a massive massive problem it is a huge problem and and and, and while we absolutely should be doing everything we can to support people who are rough sleepers. It's, just, it's, it's why I also don't like things like the Vinnie's CEO sleep out. It's because... Oh, it don't lo- start me on that appalling piece yeah, of it, yeah. self-pretend mm. flagellation. Exactly. It, it, it just locks in this image of homelessness which doesn't actually help. It, it, in, in a lot of ways, um, it hinders... The, the what, what we do in, in trying to, to deal with homelessness because it locks in the idea that if you don't see homeless people on the streets, homelessness is now not a problem. And yeah. that's so far from the truth. So, again, I, 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 I'm not questioning the intentions of anyone who has taken part in, the, in it. I'm, I am absolutely certain that they have nothing but the best of intentions but I'm also really sure that what they're doing isn't helping, and so I just can't. I just can't lay my eyeballs on it. I hear that. I mean, I've seen the first couple of apps, and I I like it. I like it as an idea. Um, 
I like the way that it highlights it by juxtaposing people who are usually of privilege or, or in an opportunity where they would never be in this position to realistically experience it. The thing that I'm seeing in this second series is, and they're like the end of the first episode, the the um, the the person that's kind of running the experiment with them basically had to meet with each of them and talk about, you know, well, look, it's great that you had this opportunity where you could walk into a pretty hoity-toity dentist and ask if they had any toothbrush and toothpaste to give you, your, you know, you're homeless at the moment and those sorts of things. She said, that's just not where a homeless person is at. Mm-hmm. They don't feel that they can do that. There's a, a mm-hmm. level of privilege that comes into that that you feel you can go and ask for that independent of whether or not you deserve it or whether you feel like you can ask it. Plus, you've been on the streets for two days. You know, you don't stink yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not in a position where um, the mouthwash that they gave you, um, they would second guess giving to you because they might think that you would drink it rather than use it as mouthwash. Um, all of those sorts of things. You know, like it's, 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 they don't shy away from it. That's why I like it. I hear you. I totally understand. I think this is where Blackfella Films, who are responsible for delivering it, do a really good job of kind of peeling back the layers and just going, so here, you know, stuff started to happen for these guys that we didn't expect that kind of affected the experiment for them. And so we kind of had to readjust the boundaries for them. So they actually then had to experience what it was like. Yeah, look, I get it. I hear what you're saying. Like I said, I, 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 I'm sure that they are doing what they think is is really, really positive. It just, given the the I guess the the makeup of the client group that we have, the, the, there's so much more to homelessness than just not not knowing where the roof over your head is tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a saying from some of our team is that yeah, there's a difference between homelessness and rooflessness. Yeah, they're not the same thing. And I, and I don't, I don't know that we can. Hell, we we find it hard enough to capture that in a way that we can present when we're talking about our own client group, let alone trying to present it as you know a, a piece of reality TV to a to an audience who you're trying to hook. It's just uh, I don't know. I hear you. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I just struggle with it, Stevie. I understand. Hmm. You're a lot closer to it than I am. Like in in the 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 you know the the literal sense of the people that you work with and the stuff that you're engaged in. Yeah, and and, and yeah, oh, it gets to me, Stephen. It it just ugh. if we you know, you know <laughs> if we just threw the money that we could make from the cost to make a series like that into actually dealing with homelessness. It still wouldn't be enough, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate, it, it's all of the things, oh, right? If we yeah. stopped spending all the money that we spend on uh, trapping people in offshore detention oh, uh, and actually mm-hmm. allowed them to be in Australia to be processed, um, yeah, the amount of money we would save just in that yeah, and look, the work it, it, we could do with it. It, it, just, it. it just frustrates me, Stephen, because like, there, there, there are a lot of problems that... You know, it's like society-wide that, that we ask governments to to deal with, where the situations are so multifactored and complex that you genuinely can say, we just don't know how we can fix this. And the thing is, homelessness is actually not one of those problems. Yeah. We, we actually know how to fix it. it. It would be really expensive. Like, no one's pretending that that's not the case. But you actually can fix homelessness. 
you, you, you actually can uh, provide safe and secure housing for people who need it. But we still have this puritanical worldview of who's worthy and who's unworthy that um, allows us to, as a society, decide that some people don't deserve to be looked after. And that's pretty shit house, Stevie. That's yeah. a pretty shit house. This took a turn, didn't it? <laughs> but that's that's the amazing part of our conversations is that it can and does, you know, on a dime. And mm. it's not like either of us are... Well, look, we're both pretty bleeding hard, but, you know, we're not going to um, stand up and say offensive things other than maybe offensive <laughs> to sensibility. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, other than maybe offensive to, to the comfort, comfort and sensibility... Um, speaking truth to power is offensive and it needs to be because too often the powerful are too comfortable. And look, and, and I've, again, being able to even sit here and have this conversation is is a function of my own enormous privilege. So, yep. I, you know. <sighs> yeah, you're way more privileged than I am. Well. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I've got good DNA. <laughs> I'm a handsome man, Stephen. Not that you're unhandsome, just, you know, not as handsome as me. That's, no, you are accurate. Oh, I haven't even told you about suit shopping. We're running out of time. What are you? Oh, you, what, are you, what are you shopping for a suit for? Is this for work or for an event? It's a friend's wedding coming up in the the second of September, whatever the Saturday is, first Saturday in September, and I'm emceeing for him. And like the dress code is formal, you know, kind of suit up for the blokes and blah blah blah. Now I have kind of. Oh, hang on, is, is this the rare Queensland wedding where you don't get to go in thongs? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, that's because that's usually formal. <laughs> um, I, I didn't buy a suit, though, because I would never, ever, ever wear it. Um, <laughs> I bought a decent pair of bone pants, a blue blazer, and a you know, pretty decently coloured shirt. Um, and you know, I, I'll, I will look fine. Um, and I would blend into the background if I wasn't being the MC. So that's mm-hmm. the other pressure around it, is that I actually have to look half decent for them. Uh, this is a, a school friend, so I've known him for 20-plus years. Um, he was a groomsman in my first wedding. Uh, we've stayed reasonably connected through our lives, and, and for him to be getting married to this wonderful woman that he's found is phenomenal. Uh, and to be there and to support them will be great. And to even just be a small part of the day as the MC is going to be fabulous. Um, I just... I knew I was a big bloke, Dave, and I knew that things had gotten out of hand in the weight territory... To, to go to even the fat man stores that are starting to pop up around the place and have them go, yeah, no, you're bigger than any of our biggest stuff that we have, was was pretty gut-wrenching. Mm. Um, so apart from having to then go to, you know, for me it was waving the white flag and going to a place called King Size Menwear, Menswear. Uh, one, guess what they sell. Um, and getting stuff from them, um, just a recognition that I need to do something about it and... It's just all a bit confronting and depressing and all of those sorts of things. I mean, I know I've needed to do something about it, but this was the very practical reality of I can't wear tracksuit pants to work. Mm. Yeah, well, that's... Yep, that's kind of reality coming up and mugging you, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Well, what are we going to do for you, Stephen? Oh. What's the plan? Buy me some Lego, Dave. Um <laughs> I look honestly. I, I've, I've fallen off the, the wagon this week just because work has been insane. Mm-hmm. But I've started like going for a walk around the lake, um, 
I'll, I'll say attempting daily. It's probably every other day, though this week hasn't been every every day at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just really has to be that combo, right? I mean, exercising and being smarter about what I put in my gob. Sadly, it's the only way to do it. And it, it's one of those things where it, it, it's easier said than done. Oh, mate, I've lost 60 kilos before. The problem is, in since I lost that, I put it and some change back on. Mm. Um, and I remember how great it was to get to that, and the only reason that that stopped was because I had a motorbike accident. Yeah. Which sucked balls. Yeah, well, they're not never fun. I mean, I, I, I got away quite fine. I twisted my knee, and that was about it. Uh, but it meant that I went from walking every day and having that very much locked in as a just I have to do this and eating and all of those sorts of things um, I I was on crutches mm. and then a walking stick for six weeks yeah that, that, that'll that do uh, that'll throw your routine out that's for sure and I never just got back into it mm. are you still boxing? Uh, well, again no I did it for a couple of semesters last year and work got in the way mm. you know like yep. it's the, the flip is that I benefit from the, the personal coaching kind of experience, the personal training thing, just can't ex- afford it, you know? Mm-hmm. If I knew that I had to meet someone three mornings a week at place and go and do stuff for an hour, I will put in, I will I will give you everything you ask me to do. It may near kill me, but I'll do it. Um, and, you know, that accountability of the regular catch-up and doing it, even just, it's even just the case of if I had someone that I could walk around the lake with, you know? If I was, if I had someone locked in to be able to do that regularly, that would be enough to help kind of spur me on and keep me accountable in that regard. It's just tough. Like I'd love to go for walks around like with Michelle and those sorts of things, but with the kids, the age they are, and the stuff that they need doing, uh, you know, after school, it's just not practical. Mm. You know, we're just not at that point yet where you know Michelle and I can go. We're going for a walk around the lake, kids. Uh, we'll be back in an hour, and they don't care. Um, because either homework or off to jobs and getting themselves there and all of those sorts of things. Well, no, I get that. Well, if you get an Apple Watch, we can be Apple Watch buddies. We can oh, shame each other with our lack of... I have no idea how much I've wanted an Apple Watch ever since they came out. Uh, yeah, that's a very much a want, not a need. Um, but I love it. I love the fact that it's got that you know health monitor, step counter, the whole thing built into it. It's a really great idea. I hate mine at the moment because it's been really cold and wet and so I haven't been running for weeks. <laughs> and it's so been I'm reminding not, you? I'm not, I'm not hitting my rings and it's just like, usually by this time of the day, you're further advanced in your move count. <laughs> I'm just like, shut up, Apple Watch. <laughs> you're not my dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, and I've, and I've got one friend on there who is very, very good at, at hitting his bloody targets every single day at the moment. So let me tell you, I resent him pretty bloody seriously. Yeah, I hear that loud and clear. <sighs> oh dear. Well, Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, um, that, that, was it sort of king-size menswear? Yeah, they came to the party 600 bucks later, but they Ooh. came to the party. Yeah, yeah. A yeah, shirt, a jacket and pants and um, taking up the hem on the suit, le- arms and the pant legs. Yeah, that's... I had a belt. <sighs> All right. Well, I'll start harassing you. I'll, I'll, are you an early riser, Stephen? No. You are now. No. <laughs> how, how early do you like getting text messages from smug friends? <laughs> oh, mate, you, you know what the best thing is? I can sleep right through that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Speaking of sleeping, 
I'm going to yeah, go. Yeah, I'm going to go pick up my son. All right. He's you been at the show too. all day. Thanks, Dave. I love you, Steve. Love you too. <laughs>